Welcome back to Looking Unto Jesus. Today we are going to be reading from one of my most favorite authors, Octavius Winslow, and it's taken from the book, The Precious Things of God. Here he is going to explain to us how the gospel is the greatest exposition and explanation of who God is. Octavius Winslow writes, Oh, do not study God in the jeweled heavens, in the sublimity of the mountain, in the beauty of the valley, in the grandeur of the ocean, in the murmurs of the stream, in the music of the winds. God made all this, but all this is not God. Study him in the cross of Jesus. Look at him through this wondrous telescope, and although, as through a glass darkly, you behold his glory, the Godhead in awful eclipse, the sun of his deity setting in blood. Yet that rude and crimson cross more fully reveals the mind of God, more harmoniously discloses the perfections of God, and more perfectly unveils the heart of God, and more fully exhibits the glory of God than the, than the combined power of 10,000 worlds like this, even though sin had never marred and the curse had never blighted it. Study God in Christ and Christ on the cross. Oh, the marvels that meet in it, the glory that gathers round it, the streams of blessing that flow from it, the deep refreshing shadow it casts in the happy experience of all who look to Jesus and live, who look to Jesus and love, who look to Jesus and obey, who look to Jesus and embrace that blessed hope of eternal life, which God, who cannot lie, promised before the world began. A worthy structure, this, of a foundation so divine. Now you can see why it is one of my most favorite passages to read and to meditate upon. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, thank you. Thank you for Christ. Thank you for his cross. Certainly we thank you for the redemption that is ours in Calvary. But even more, we thank you that in Calvary, Lord, you are revealed. That the fullness of your glory, the fullness of your attributes, the harmony of your attributes are finally revealed. And Lord, we thank you and we praise you. And I pray now, Lord, that you will use the words of your servant, Octavius Winslow, to build up your people, to encourage them in the gospel and to cause all other matters to fall into the shadow that Christ would be center. In Jesus name. Amen. All right. Well, let's go back through this wonderful passage that we have. He says, oh, do not study God in the jeweled heavens, in the sublimity of the mountain, in the beauty of the valley, in the grandeur of the ocean, in the murmurs of the stream, in the music of the winds. Now, of course, he is not denying Romans chapter one and so many other texts that explain to us that God's glory is revealed in creation. Creation is a marvelous thing to study. But creation, as great as it is, as wonderful as it is, as as triumphant. It cannot compare. 
with an old rugged cross. It cannot compare with a hill called Calvary. If you want to know God, look there. He goes on. God made all this, but all this is not God. As great as creation may be, as great as heaven may be, as great as an, an archangel or a seraphim might be, they are not God. As a matter of fact, God is not like us, just bigger. He's in a category all to himself. Octavius goes on, study him in the cross of Jesus. Look at him through this wondrous telescope. I think I could live 10,000 years and not be able to write a line like that. So many people looking for God in so many things. But if you truly want to know God, then you must peer through the telescope, through the scriptures at Calvary. There at Calvary, we see who God truly is, that he is holy, righteous and just, and yet he is merciful, compassionate. And because of the cross and only because of the cross, he is able to justify the sinner. He goes on. He says, look at him through this wondrous telescope and although as through a glass darkly you behold his glory, the Godhead in awful eclipse, the son of his deity setting in blood, yet that rude and crimson cross more fully reveals the mind of God, more, more harmoniously discloses the perfections of God and more perfectly unveils the heart of God and more fully exhibits the glory of God than the combined power of 10,000 worlds like this, even though sin had never marred and the curse had never blighted it. Now I want to go back to something that I've mentioned so often, but it is, it is left out of modern day gospel preaching. It is the truth that Octavius Winslow is marveling in. You see, all throughout biblical history, all throughout the Old Testament, there remained the question that Paul expresses clearly in Romans 3, 26. How can we harmonize the attributes of God? The scriptures declare that God is holy and many times in his holiness and righteousness, he judges the world. And yet at the same time, that holy, just God pardons evil men and women who have faith in him. But how can he be both? How can God be truly just and at the same time pardon the sinner? How can he do it? That is often referred to as the divine dilemma. The answer is found in the cross of Jesus Christ. There all the attributes of God are seen in perfect harmony. Is God just? Yes. He punishes sin. Is God holy? Yes. He separates himself from sin. Is God love? Yes. How do we know? Because God himself becomes a man and absorbs the justice and the wrath that was due his sinful people. And because of that, because the death of Christ has the power to satisfy divine justice on behalf of his people, God can now be just and the justifier of even sinners like us who trust in his son and his atoning work. Now he goes on. 
Oh, the marvels that meet in it, that meet in the cross, the glory that gathers round it, the streams of blessing that flow from it, the deep, refreshing shadow it casts in the happy experience of all who look to Jesus and live. There are many things in the scriptures, many wonderful things. Uh, there are many wonderful things in creation. But above them all stands the cross. And even though these other things are marvelous, they cannot compare to this singular event where this singular person died on our behalf. I want you to go into the scriptures and I want you to see all the marvelous things God has done. Draw strength from them. Allow those things to increase your faith. But the center of everything is the cross of Christ. He ought to be it ought to be the center of our thinking, the center of our speaking, the center of our activity. We should be men and women who eat, drink, sleep and live the cross of Christ. It's our boast. It's our hope. It's our glory. It's our source of justification. It's our strength. I know that we live in such confusing times and there's so many things in the news and so many things bombarding even Christianity. You'll not be able to stand against them. Unless the cross of Christ above all other things is your glory, your hope, your meditation. Let's go on. He says the deep, refreshing shadow it casts in the happy experience of all who look to Jesus and live. You can look to many things in the Bible, for example, a precious gift that God has given us the law. But if you look to the law for salvation, you will not live because the law says do this and live. And you and I have violated the law. The law tells us not to look to the law. The law tells us to look to Christ, the one who fulfilled the law on his people's behalf and died under the penalty of the law for the sake of the same people. Goes on, look to Jesus and love. You want to grow in your love for God? Then you need to study the greatest expression of God toward you, and that is the cross of Christ. You and I cannot twist ourselves up or wind ourselves up like a clock and, and make our passion grow or make our hearts love God in a more profound manner. We don't have that ability. You can go to some, I guess, evangelistic event or some revival and you can get psyched up for two or three days, but that'll soon wind down. If you want your love for God to grow, what must you do? Look to Calvary, survey the cross, study the cross. And as you do, your affections for God will increase and they will be drawn out and they will be made manifest in a practical way through your life and your deeds. It says, look to Jesus and obey. The more we know about Christ, the more we love him and the more we love him, the more we desire to be obedient. When you catch a glimpse of the cross and you realize what it took for our salvation, you realize also that your obedience could never gain for you a right standing before God. But when you look to Christ, and you see that he bought for us a salvation that is free. You want to obey, you desire to obey, and you lament when you do not obey. He says, look to Jesus 
and embrace that blessed hope of eternal life which God, who cannot lie, promised before the world began. I want to read that again. Look to Jesus and obey. Look to Jesus and embrace that blessed hope of eternal life. Now, if you're a young Christian and you truly are Christian, then you would agree with the truth that your salvation is 100% Christ, that Christ did it all. And like I said, if you're a true believer, you know that and you appreciate that. But now... I have lived the Christian life for over 35 years, and I can tell you this each year. Your realization of this truth is going to grow each year. Your realization and appreciation of this truth is going to grow. When I was a brand new believer, I believed that Christ was the only savior. I knew that my works could not save me. I knew that it was all Jesus. But so many years, decades later, I know it more. If I died right now, I have one singular hope. Jesus Christ died for this sinner. As one old preacher used to say, I expect to swing out into eternity on that hope. And if you're listening, I just you need to know this. It is not ninety nine percent Jesus and one percent you. The only thing you and I have ever contributed to our salvation was our sin. There's only one hero in this story, and it is Jesus Christ. And he is God's greatest revelation of himself. And his cross is the pinnacle of that revelation. If you want to be filled with zeal, if you want to be filled with love, if you want to have a passion for the lost and the Great Commission, if you want to love the church, it all begins by looking at the cross. It also ends there. Never take your eyes off the cross. He finishes by saying a worthy structure, this of a foundation so divine. The cross is not merely the foundation of our salvation. It's the foundation of everything. It was that one and is that one focal point to which all history, divine history, redemptive history was racing. And for us who live 2000 years later, we look back at the greatest thing God has ever done, the greatest revelation God has ever given. Oh, I plead with you. I know that in Christianity that today there are so many voices talking about this is so important and that is so important. But let me tell you something. If any subject is introduced into Christianity that robs your time, that takes away from your contemplation, your marveling in the cross, then it is not right. It is not good for God's people. Well, I hope this has been a blessing to you. And I hope that you see from what Octavius Winslow has written here, the tremendous importance of the cross. And I hope you also see uh, this is why we should read old books. God bless you.